among the most beloved passages of Scripture in the New Testament are the wonderful words of John 3.16. Most Christians can probably quote these verses without much struggle. We could probably even do it in our sleep. And for good reason. After all, these words are the core of the gospel as we have come to know it, the, the very core of the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. But as often as John 3.16 is quoted or posted on the side of the, of the stands at, at, a, at a game to be broadcast on television, John 3 verses 14 through 15 are usually ignored. And that is also understandable, given that these are very strange verses. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. What is this serpent in the wilderness? What is this serpent that Moses fashioned and then lifted up in the wilderness? What is the reference here? Well, you've got to go over to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament to find out about that. And you'll see that the story there relates these details. And it has to do with snakes. Now, I don't know about you, but I detest, I dislike, nay, I hate snakes. I can't stand the little slithery beasts, and if there are ever any around me, I want to get away as fast as I can. Like Michelle, I do not like snakes. Indeed, there's something biblical in our revulsion towards snakes. After all, you got that Old Testament story about the snake in the garden and all the trouble we got in as a result of that and our inability to say no. Hmm. And yet snakes are part of God's creation. They're part of God's creation that God said was good. And God used snakes. He used what the King James calls fiery serpents to punish the Israelites when they did a very naughty thing. And that's what you'll find in Numbers chapter 21. It says that the people spoke, grumbled against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. This, this miserable food. What was going on? They were in the wilderness, and God had given them a miracle provision of manna. Remember the story? They're in the wilderness. They don't have anything to eat. They grumble and complain against Moses. They're thirsty. God gives them water. They're hungry. God gives them manna. This spiritual, uh, miraculous bread, the word manna means what is it? It's this what is it bread. It's this miraculous provision of nourishment from God that, that, that floated down onto the ground and they would gather it up and make cakes out of it to eat. This miracle provision of food from God. This is the food that they are saying is detestable. You have given us this detestable, this miserable, this icky food to eat. And that's not just that they complained against Moses. That's bad. 
And they complained against God, and that's much worse. But they also grumbled and complained about the miracle provision of manna. What God was giving them to eat. This miracle food. And they were whining and complaining about it. And it's especially bad because over in the New Testament, in John chapter 6, Jesus would equate himself with the manna that was given in the wilderness. And the church would see this as a, as a type of Christ, God's miracle provision of sustenance for the people in the wilderness is much like Jesus is providing himself for us in the wilderness of our living. Jesus said, I am the bread that which came down uh, from heaven. I am the manna in the wilderness, he said. And here the Israelites are detesting it, calling it miserable food, whining and complaining against Moses and against God about this provision of grace, this provision of food that God was giving them. And so God decides to punish them. And it wasn't just any old punishment that God meted out. You know, God didn't just smite them. He sent snakes, poisonous snakes, something that the people detested to bite this bunch of stiff, recalcitrant people so horrific was the attack that they went and they begged Moses, please ask God to take these snakes away from us. And so Moses does. And God, instead of taking them away, gives Moses the following directions. Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Mo Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Numbers chapter 28 verses 8 and 9. Rather than take away the snakes, God rubs their noses in what they have done, in their grumbling, in their complaining, in their detesting of the miracle provision of the manna in the wilderness, in their detesting of God's gracious gift. God is rubbing their noses in it, not taking away the snakes, but instead giving them one to look at when they have been bitten, giving them one to gaze at when they have been bitten so that they can be healed. They've got to turn and they've got to face that which they detest. For having detested the miracle provision which God has made for them. Eventually, this item, this serpent on a pole, this bronze serpent, became known as Nehishtan. And Nehishtan was part of the Israelite cultic worship. And eventually people began to worship it, and they would burn incense to it, and they would bow down to it. And instead of worshiping God who directed its making, they worshiped it when they got sick, and they burned incense to it when they got sick. And some even made sacrifice to it when they got sick, thinking that it would heal them as a result. And so it eventually had to be destroyed. But the point was still made. Don't disrespect don't reject, 
Don't despise the gifts of God. Don't reject, don't disrespect, don't call miserable the gifts and graces, the largesse, the love of God. Don't say no to the gift that God has for you. And this is a danger that each of us faces today. It is so easy to get so wrapped up in our daily living that we think we don't have time to partake in and participate in all the many wonderful means of grace that God has given for us, all the many means of sustenance that God has given for us. We'll say, oh, we don't have time. We need to get more sleep. We need to work more. We need to be doing other things. We need to be with our families. We don't have the time to partake of the means of grace. And I'm one of the worst in that. Clergy in the United Methodist Church are not members of their local congregations. We are members of the annual conference. That means that the annual conference is where our church membership is positioned. It's located. That's our church. And we meet a couple, three times a year, but especially at annual conference session, which is starting this week. And one of the things that happens at annual conference is, is that every day at conference, communion will be offered. It's usually offered at 7.30 in the morning. And who put it at that hour? I don't know. It's offered at 7.30, 7.45 in the morning. And it's open for anybody who wishes to come and receive. Now, it is no secret how important that means of grace is for me. And yet... Because I might not like the person presiding. I might not like the way in which they're leading the service. I may not like where it's taking place. Or even when it's taking place. 7.45 in the morning. Because of these reasons, I'll not go. Instead, I'll sleep late. Or I'll go have a bite of breakfast with some friends and talk politics. Rather than go and feast on the riches of God's grace in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Likewise, the temptation can be great for me after a long day at conference not to stay for the evening worship service, but instead to go home and go to bed. When I know it's better for me to stay and to worship and to celebrate and to sing hymns and to pray and to enjoy the preaching and enjoy the music, and enjoy the fellowship together, I go home rather than stay and worship. I am probably one of the worst in not participating, in despising the wonderful gifts of grace that we receive in our worship life together at annual conference sessions. I make that confession here now to you. Understanding that means I'm going to have to go to communion tomorrow morning and the next morning. I'm going to have to stay for worship tonight and tomorrow night. And not skip out just after the church's name is called and my name is displayed as being appointed here. And I slip out the back so no one sees me. I can't do that anymore, can I? Shake your heads now. Thank you. No, I can't. 
Neither should any of us despise or call miserable the nourishment, the spiritual nourishment, the physical nourishment, the communal nourishment that God has for us in all the many means of grace, in the Scriptures, in the study of the Word and the hearing of it proclaimed, in the prayer time together, in service together, in giving together, in worship together, in participating in vacation Bible school together, in partaking of Holy Communion together. We should not despise or call miserable that which God has given us. And yet, when we stay away, when we don't read Scripture, when we don't pray, when we don't serve, when we don't participate, when we don't give, when we don't partake, when we isolate ourselves from the fellowship together that we have in Jesus Christ, when we isolate ourselves from the means of grace that we have together, we are calling God's grace miserable food. Is it any surprise that fiery serpents are nipping at our heels? Is it any surprise that we struggle with depression, exhaustion, fear, disappointment? Is it any surprise that we find ourselves grumbling? Grumbling amongst the clergy, grumbling against the district superintendent and the bishop. That's like grumbling against Moses and Aaron. Hmm. Is it any surprise that we find ourselves turning away and find the serpents quickly at our heels? The way to the way to scatter the fiery serpents here in numbers was to lift up this image, this reminder of what God was punishing them with. The way God has given us is to look at Christ Jesus our Lord, who was crucified on a cross for our sins, who gave himself a sacrifice for the whole world to partake of His presence through Scripture and prayer, service and presence, participation, partaking of the Holy Eucharist at the table of the Lord. When we partake of the means of grace, focused in on Christ Jesus, who was lifted high for us, we see and know and experience that powerful presence of God that can cast all the serpents away and leave us truly at peace with God and with each other. I invite you today, as you come to the table of the Lord, to think about where in your life the serpents have been biting. Turn it over to God. Receive the glorious food of the real presence of Jesus. Be fed by His love and His presence. And then take the good news of Christ Jesus our Lord out so that others might hear and know of His love for them, of His love for us all.
In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Commerce, Texas, and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2015 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information and for other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at First United Methodist Church, 1709 Highway 24, Commerce, Texas, 75428. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.